Good evening, everyone. We're so thankful to have you all join us for season two of the Elder Girls podcast. And we're so excited that we get to kick it off this year with Jay Hedrick, a wonderful dear friend of ours. And thank you, Jay, for joining us today. Hi, how are you doing? I'm great. I'm so thankful that I get to be a part of this as well. And didn't realize um, kicking off season two. No pressure, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> but we're super excited to have you with us. Yes, super excited. So excited. Um, today, we're going to start integrating our listener spotlights on some of our amazing community members that are apostolic leaders, and we were going to say ladies, but we got to thinking, you know, there might be some other people that we want to interview that might not be ladies, so (laughs) I actually crossed out the word ladies and said, I think we better just do leaders on that. (laughs) (laughs) So we're really excited to be able to get to talk with some apostolic leaders that are involved heavily in business locally, um, in other ministry and leadership and who are apostolic professionals and those in a variety of different kinds of ministry. And I think that even though it is sometimes a secular job, sometimes we don't think that's a ministry, but I do feel like it is a ministry. And I believe that God places each and every one of us in that position. So something really exciting. I love with that, Jay. Um, And when I get to talk to you, and I haven't got to talk to you very often about your actual work and ministry but when I do get to talk to you I can hear your heartbeat every time we get together and you get to discuss about it so um, I'm really excited today that we have the opportunity to really listen and connect with you and we're delighted to have you join us and we're looking super forward to learning more about you about the ways you serve in your community and your church and the ways that you lead and serve all around you, because I know it's more than just in your church and your community. Um, I love getting to follow you and seeing a lot of your posts and what you're doing here and what you're doing there and what happens next. So it's super exciting for me to have you on. Anna, I think I'm going to give it to you now. Welcome, 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 Jay. Yes, we're so excited to have you. And I'm going to give a little bit of a bio and a background, um, an overview of your background information, just so that our listeners can have an idea of what type of work you do and what we're going to be talking about today. So Jay is the multidisciplinary team coordinator for the Child Advocacy Center of Sedgwick County in Wichita, Kansas area. Um, She has a master's in social work from Newman University that she received in 2013. She also has a bachelor in liberal arts uh, with a major in social work that she received in 2012 at all through Newman University. Newman, whoop, whoop, alumni, board director, she's there. And uh, I'm an alumni of Newman as well. So I feel a little, a little familial friendship here going on. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She is also the leadership team member for Lead Wichita. She attends church at Shiloh Pentecostal Church in Hayesville, Kansas. Her pastor is Wayne Rowley Jr., Brother Wayne Rowley Jr. She works in the nursery at her church. She is a teacher in the nursery. She is the ladies' ministry leader, and she is an outreach leader there as well with her husband. She's married to her best friend, Christopher, and they have one 16-year-old son named Connor, 
and they have one grandma dog, Duchess. <laughs> She's a 10-year-old rescue Doberman. You're brave. I've always been a little nervous about Dobermans. So that's interesting because I, I hear that's just a stereotype. So yeah, they're little babies. <laughs> <laughs> that's neat to know. She started out working in foster care right out of grad school and says that she quickly found This is a quote directly from her. She says, and quickly found my happy place in educating the community about vulnerable children and families. And Jay, we hear that, as Sarah said, in your heartbeat, every time we talk to you, that comes through. And so it's something that you're definitely passionate about. And we appreciate that. And we're excited to dig in today and learn more about you and your career and how you feel it connects to your ministry and um, just some things about child advocacy and helping others that you're super passionate about. So we're going to jump right on into this. And Jay, if I'm not right, correct me, but it seems like when we spoke a little bit before, you had said something about January was an actual month of, I believe, child advocacy. Is that correct? Um, Or was it something different? Yeah, January is um, National Human Trafficking Awareness Month. So really trying Ah. to um, highlight what human trafficking is, what it's not, kind of um, the, you know, urban legends, I guess, kind of what gets um, shared around because it's sensational and like kind of um, just the, the facts about what human trafficking actually looks like here in America at least. Mm -hmm. That's so good because I think that we had discussed, Anna, that we were going to do a little bit of discussion with that towards the end. So that'll work awesome with our interview today. Okay, so let's get started. So I'm going to ask the first question here. When did you first become interested in your child advocacy and social work? Um, So I'm the child of a social worker. Um, and I've always kind of been that spunky little kid that would stand up for others and kind of, um, I'm not shy to point out when things, um, are unjust or, you know, folks are getting picked on for various reasons. So I think maybe I was born into this role almost, um, for for sure. I also believe that God um, calls us to, um, positions that uses our talents. Um, we just, you know, sometimes we struggle with maybe wanting those, um, types of positions. So, so true. Very true. That is so good. And, um, I like how you said that God calls us because, yes, you know, sometimes the Bible says he formed you when you were in your mother's womb and he knew us Mm -hmm. before we were born. And so sometimes I think that um, we don't realize some of the things that we end up working in that we're so passionate about really are our calling. And I think it's really neat that you address that in that and you feel that way. Was there a specific event in your life that solidified this career pathway for you? So um, there's a couple of things that really stand out to me when I think about social work or helping vulnerable humans. Um, in the fourth grade, I remember there was um, a classmate. She was um, a lot different. Um, now I would say that she was probably lower functioning and also probably didn't have um, 
a lot of nurturing at home and that type of thing and impoverished family like extreme poverty but you know you don't understand that when you're in the fourth grade right right she was just always so different and um some children started making fun of her because she didn't have she smelled frankly she just smelled terrible and her clothes were always dirty and um so a couple of my friends and I were like, hey, why don't we just bring, you know, like a couple of things that would help her and then give it to our teacher so she could give it to her so she didn't feel, um, you know, bad. Right. Which looking back as an adult, I don't even, that has to been, has to have been a God-given emotional intelligence. Yes. Um, what are you nine I think maybe in the fourth grade I just (laughs) there's I just don't even know how we figured that out other than it was dropped in our mind from the big guy upstairs so um, Mm -hmm. that really just opened my eyes um, to how other children and people lived Um, so I think that was probably like a real big um spot where I've never lost that um, thought that situation I could take you back exactly on the playground where we decided all of that so um, it's definitely a big milestone in my life I think and then um, you know 2008 was a great time (laughs) jokingly of course um, for a lot of us and that was when my educational career kind of took a different turn I was headed towards um, I wanted to be a nurse practitioner because I didn't want to be a social worker Um, my Mm -hmm. mom was a social worker and I saw her crying and um, you know just it was hard her job was so hard and everybody hated her because um, you know social workers aren't held in the um, utmost of esteem with a lot of people because they don't understand really what social workers do so I was headed you know towards the same kind of helping um, career, just different. And um, I was in nursing school um, with amazing grades. (laughs) And uh, my (laughs) husband, um, his job um, put him on two day work weeks, because you know, the economy was just taking a dive bomb. Um, And so I had to make the decision um, you know, with much prayer and travailing and heel kicking or whatever you want to call it, um, <laughs> to drop out of nursing school with um, a very amazing GPA and all wow. of the work I'd put in, you know, the science classes and you you can't get bad grades for those. And um, right, but right. obviously, you know, God knew what He was doing, and I guess apparently it took an economic crisis to get my attention. So um, that was when I made the educational change towards social work, um, and it really just—I can definitely say—from then on, it's like um, every single year that I continue to do this, I am just more. Um, validated in my choice to follow what God wanted me to do I mean it just has been amazing not as in without a lot of heartache and tears and some scary situations but just that peace and that calming 
of knowing that I am exactly um, where I should be in helping um, vulnerable families. Long That's awesome. I totally <laughs> love that. <laughs> no, I That's love that. That's okay. Yes, I love that. And I think when you say that, Jay, about how that you're at peace because you know that that is where God has you. Mm-hmm. I think that we're all un- all in the same kind of um, mindset where we understand that you have to come to that place in a job when you have to work in the secular world mm-hmm. um, to know that you're right where God wants you to be uh, for you to be happy. I, I'm, I'm thinking this through because it really resonated with me when you said that at first, you know, you left all of your education that you had really diligently been putting a lot of time into to go a different route. And I think sometimes we have to understand that it's not always going to be the way we think it's going to be when God starts calling us a different direction. And it's kind of hard at first to really, you know, say, okay, I'm going to leave all of this. I know hours and hours of work that you've done. And so that kind of leads me into the, I think it, leads in, but it also kind of ties in with my next question is what makes you so passionate about helping children or families with children? Because I know just listening to you talk and hearing your heartbeat right now, what you just told us, it's not just about the money or having to have this job. Now you can really hear the heartbeat in your choice that you've done. Yeah, I um, appreciate that because it's really, it is, it's hard to, um, you know, that was, that was, it was years of my life and dollars out of my pocket to, you know, yes, absolutely. To apparently what God was not calling me to do, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> and you know, it's hard too, because um, I always joke around that I'm such a nerd. I love to learn. I love to get good grades. And um, so, yeah, the I was achieving those things and everyone was like, yeah, you're going to be so good at this. You're going to be a great um, nurse practitioner, you know, all of these things. And um, it seemed to be working out. So yeah, knowing every day that piece is so amazing that working in a very secular field, I mean, I'm not sure you could get more secular or um, non it's very liberal. Um, Yes. Field Um, for multiple reasons, you know, not all bad for sure. I mean, it's just, there's just situations. So, um, but being able to be a small part in watching a human um, realize um, what their potential is and to help them um, find that missing piece of, you know, like if I was working with a family or Um, Like when I first started explaining to a family and helping them work through those little steps that help them meet this amazing goal that they have um, to get their children back in their home or to learn how to budget or realize that they don't have to be bound by drugs and alcohol or um, pornography, sexual abuse, whatever um, it is to be able to be a witness to that transformation and for them to have um, even the smallest piece of hope in their life. I almost feel like 
I'm being um, rewarded um, in a like internal way. um, Just it's like I get so much enjoyment out of seeing a human um, either break the generational curses in their family or working towards that because you don't know until you you don't know to do better until you know. Right. You're right. That's not something that everyone really understands. Mm -hmm. Um, There's quite a few people that don't want to understand that as well. But, um, you know, some people don't know that you shouldn't beat your children as crazy as that sounds coming out of my mouth. Mm -hmm. They just, they don't, they don't know because everyone in their family has done that. And so I think that's what fuels my desire and my um, passion to help humans, vulnerable humans, is to get to be a part of their story um, and know that I'm able to do this because of God and I'm able to assist them, you know, not by anything I've done, except I have, you know, the degree that allows me to, but um, Mm -hmm. it's like you get to witness to people every single day. I love that you know it may not be telling them the plan of salvation but you're telling them um, what every human needs at the very core of who we are that you're worth um, effort from another human and you're worth the hope um, and that type of thing is um, again I almost feel selfish when I get to do stuff like that because it's so rewarding um, and anyone listening that works in social services knows that you don't do it for the paycheck because Mm -hmm. you know it's just we're not there yet as a society to um really put in the amount of resources that's needed for um vulnerable human services but uh yeah it's it's seeing that change or more of what I do now is um advocating for children and and helping make sure they have the services that they need or that they're involved in the um, programs that they should or, you know, just following their situation so that they can get what they need. Um, And they'll never, ever meet me. I will never, right now in my current job, I will never meet any of the children um, that I advocate for. And um, it's still just as rewarding knowing that I've, done everything I can um, to help them. Absolutely. That's that's incredible. And Jay, you said something there that stood out to me. You said helping people that you brought out how they may beat their children because they don't know any better because everybody in their life beat them and beat children growing up. And I think that's important to just stop there for a second because in the church, I feel like it's really vital for us to understand that when people come to God as first generation um, apostolics and they are new converts that they don't have the heritage and the legacy and the trainings that those who've been raised in the church generation after generation have. And so I think some things that we take so much for granted we don't recognize that those Sunday school kids that are coming, that are getting the Holy ghost, they don't have that training. And they come from a different world for sure. Right. Right. 
And um, so I feel like that's, that is just so enlightening. And I think you've already unpacked our next question really good that you do see this career as a pathway or this career pathway as a part of your purpose and your calling. And you've, you've expressed that very succinctly. So I'm going to skip on down to the next question. Um, Ministry can look like many different things. So I think you've already touched on this, that you do consider this um, your ministry or at least a part of your ministry, but would you mind to unpack that a little bit more for us? Yeah, I definitely, um, I believe that way 100% now. If you would have asked me 10 years ago, um, if I would have thought that my, um, what I do for a living would be um, right in line with even honestly, the ministry that I do, um, that I'm a part of in my own church, I probably would have laughed and said, okay, you know, um, <laughs> of course that's the difference between 25 and 35 too. Right. I mean, <laughs> right. Let's be, let's be honest. 10 years gives you a lot. Um, yes, but you know, so often I think that as apostolics, we think about ministry as in, um, conference preaching at conferences or teaching at ladies meetings or so missionaries um, right. that we forget that honestly we're all just a bunch of humans trying to do the best we can with what we have and um, hopefully most of us are listening that ministry looks like um, in getting involved and um, in other humans lives and I can tell you um of course you ladies know but when you get involved with vulnerable humans and especially when they're new converts or you know the single mom that's just trying to make it and is trying to get away from you know maybe a domestic violence situation or the family that is trying to detox from methamphetamine or whatever it is or poverty honestly detoxing from that mindset um you're gonna get hurt and you're going to be sad and you're not going to understand why um, folks can't just let go and let God uh, because sometimes it's easy to forget that what humans suffer with um, is sometimes most frequently, I'm, I would think, so ingrained in them sure. that mm-hmm. habits are um, how they live their life is ingrained in the um, negative or risky behavior in their life and, and, you know, where they shop, where they do their laundry, where they, um, anything. I mean, it's, it's amazing to see how ingrained that sin um, and pain and suffering is involved in their life. So um, at church, all of the things that I help with um, are definitely human involved so helping um in the nursing homes you're really putting yourself out there for um you know setting yourself up to to potentially be very sad um but the rewarding part of helping people when they're at their most vulnerable it it outweighs it um 100% and helping with hospitality and and ladies ministry and um you know, you're really making sure there's a meal train and, and helping Mm -hmm. those who are down. And, um, it's not glamorous. Um, 
but that's definitely not me. I'm uh, I'm definitely not in it to uh, try to get anybody to look at me because that's really not my not my jam. But I, if it needs to be done, I'm here for it, and I won't. You know, you can't back away from what might be hard. Right. Um, yes. Because really, that is where I have learned the most valuable lessons in my life is involved in a situation with a hurting person. And yes, um, right. you know, when we're sitting there in the middle of it and you're going to court with someone for the 14th time and you've had to rearrange your schedule so that, you know, they're not there alone. You may not think, wow, this is way rewarding. Right. But when you see someone achieve even the tiniest piece of freedom from the chains that bind them, whatever those are, um, it's totally, it's totally worth it. So yeah, it's, um, humans are ministry, <laughs> I guess it could yes. be the shortest answer there. That's incredible. I, okay. So Jay, you said something here that I totally loved and I want to, I want to, um, I want to talk about that just for a minute. Because you made a statement, getting involved in other humans' lives is a ministry. And I so agree with that. Here's an example. Um, You also made a statement about, um, well, first, earlier in our conversation, you said that you loved helping people to, um, how did you word it? Now, I'm probably not going to word it exactly the way you worded it. But it was to the effect of learning to do something or overcome something that they've never known how to do Mm -hmm. or to come out of. I'm going to use it in that way, too, because um, speaking from a spiritual point of view and from an apostolic person that was raised in the church, I think sometimes that we are so quick to expect, if I can use that word, people to come into the church and just bam, immediately overcome years and even generations of things that they have grown up with and been taught all of their life. Because really, when we talk like that, and when you talk about working with humans as our ministry, I think we have to understand that every person is different and that God has to deal with every person differently because of their upbringing and their raising. And I really want to, Anna and Jay both, I think we need to kind of sit on that for a minute and talk about that because I think in the church with your, and, and I know this is an interview, Jay, but you really spoke to my heart on this. I mean, it. I feel teary eyed because I think that we need to understand that people are hurting so bad in our world and that not everybody is going to overcome it it brought it home to me so dear because we've been working with this individual for over a year now here in this not in this church but since we've come to this area and this individual has literally been trying to overcome and I I don't want to get too blunt because I don't want to break confidences but years of mental abuse, name calling, you're no good, you're not worth anything, Um, abandonment, you know, 
just a couple of small things. And to me, I say small, but I know they're not small. They're massive in this individual's life. And I pray all the time, God, I don't even know how to reach this individual. Only you know how to reach this individual. And sometimes my husband and I, we get so frustrated and we feel like, okay, we're doing everything we know to do, but we've not even been in that situation. So we don't even know how to address it, but we keep praying and somehow God keeps working. And just in the last two weeks, I'm, I know I'm taking a little bit of time here, Anna, I'm sorry, but I have to do this because Jay made this so real to me and it really opened my eyes to some things we've been working with. And Jay, you really spoke to my heart. This person came in. It was like night and day just in the last two weeks that we've been working with this individual. And it was because my husband and I have just kept, just kept every week sending a text or, you know, making a call, or I've been sending cards in the mail and saying, you're worth it. God loves you. Keep, keep working at it. He has not forgotten you and never really, you know, not saying a lot, just saying those words. And this individual told us, you do not know how much that means to me to get those cards in the mail or those texts from you all and those phone calls, because I've never had that in my life. And so I think when you said how that you work with people and working with people as a ministry, I think that we need to take a lesson here from what you said, Jay, and not be so quick with our expectations of people changing in short amounts of time, the way we think they should change. Yeah, Am I, I right, Anna? I love that you said that, just jumping in here, like my mind That's is just like yeah. racing with, you know, stuff that I have, you know, I, at some point in my professional career, I'd like to create a training um, for apostolics in regards to um, like mm-hmm. emotional intelligence that people have or um, to make it completely, you know, nerdy for, for a hot second here. Um, yeah. If you don't have those emotional connections while you're growing up and um, you know, if you're not shown empathy by the time that you're three or four years old, there's a lot of studies that indicate that you may never develop that. Um, and that's just mm-hmm. one thing um you know, that these folks um, that are broken are, are facing. And um, if you, so your brain is going to grow and the neural pathways are going to strengthen and be um, work faster and better, you know, stronger, um, the things that are exercised. So if they're never taught those things, um, then their brain actually doesn't even develop um, in that way until, you know, they're experiencing those types of things so those important things like um talking to little babies and you know we give them eye contact and we love them and we take care of them you know it's actually it's growing their brain and so when someone who's so broken and and has not um received a lot of the wonderful things that you know maybe we have as as we were growing up and as teenagers and young adults, um, if received that we, um, you know, you repent and you receive the Holy ghost and you're baptized and Jesus washes all your sins away. 
but that doesn't mean that it washes your history away or the ways that you learned to adapt so that you could survive um, and Mm -hmm. the ways that you've you've grown up. And if you, um, if no one ever told you, I know there's a lot of uh, joking around my generation, um, the millennials, you know, just give us a gold star and a participation ribbon. And, you know, we (laughs) feel like we should get to be the um, leader of the known world. Um, But if you've never been told that or given a gold star, you don't even know that people can be what they want to be or that there are gold stars to get. And, um, or frankly, that there's a leader of the world, you know, when you're you're in those situations, you don't know. And while I believe a hundred percent that God can come in and, and, um, fix all of that immediately upon, you know, whatever, um, them -hmm. receiving the Holy ghost or baptism, I believe most times that's not the case and it is hard Mm -hmm. on the other side as well, because as, um, second, third, fourth, fifth, and on generation Pentecostals, apostolics, or really just church folks. Yes. You don't know if you don't know. And you don't, you're so right. You don't know that you need to care or even know that kind of information until you know that you need to care or know that information. So, yeah, I just, and Sarah, knowing um, where you're located, uh, yeah, you are working with a group of very broken people who um, in that community is is almost celebrated. And dopamine is an amazing, again, going a little bit nerdy, um, dopamine is such a a validator of um, Mm -hmm. things and if that's where you're being celebrated um, that's what Mm -hmm. that's what's going to grow and so yes um, yeah yeah you're 100% right we just need to as Christians or people I always joke saying I'm not Christian Mm -hmm. I'm trying you know Mm -hmm. to be Christ-like amen we just need to be aware um, and we need to know that we need to be aware I think that um, I think that's fabulous. I think I that's so, so think good. That so and needed. you said something there that um, I want to tap into just real briefly before we move on. But you talked about emotional intelligence in leaders, Jay, and in the church. You know, I'm like you. I'm a nerd, so we can nerd out on people on this type of stuff. But I'm reading yeah. a book right now uh, called "Emotional Intelligence to Build Emotionally Mature Leaders." And um, it's actually one of the first mm-hmm. Christian, I would say, religious-based, faith-based um, books on the subject of emotional intelligence that I found. Um, Brother and Sister Olson, Amy and Chris Olson, who teach for Wilson University, have also written a book called Three Chords of Apostolic Leadership. And in that book, mm-hmm. they touch on emotional intelligence from an apostolic Christian perspective as well in one section. But um, this book I'm reading the whole book is about building emotional intelligence and gaining emotional intelligence. And in the church, a lot of people might say, what is that? And I think that it's important to educate ourselves on what that is, because like you said, and like Sarah said, 
we're dealing with so many people that are coming from such broken lives that yes, when they get the Holy Ghost and they're baptized in Jesus name, they get a new heart. They're brand new. They're made men brand new. God makes everything new. Yes. And so you think about that as a baby in Christ, even though he makes all things new, you still have to teach them how to walk. You still have to teach them how to talk. I mean, it's like teaching a baby all over again, all the things Mm -hmm. you have to teach them how to use their manners at the table. You have to teach some of them how to make a bed. You have to teach them that there's right ways we treat people in relationships and there's wrong ways we treat people in relationships, you know? And so when we look at that new convert, that new babe in the Lord, we have to think about them. And this is not demeaning in any way. And so we shouldn't even allow people to Mm -mm. put that type of manipulative thought or guilt on us, but it's not demeaning in any way to understand that this person has, may have lived in who knows what type of background could have been a domestic violence background. It could have been a, where they were in such poverty that the children literally raised themselves. There was no mother really mom was working all the time. They were raising their siblings. Um, It might've been that they have been drug addicts from birth. You know, people in the church were so blessed. We don't think about that. Some babies are drug addicts from the womb. And so when they come out, somebody's still feeding them yes. drugs in some way, shape, or form. They're never withdrawing. And so the Holy Ghost delivers people, right? And sometimes all those things are gone immediately. But for some people, they're not gone immediately. And so they still need help. And they still yes. need people to understand that they need healing. And, and that is not necessarily an overnight situation and it may take some time. And so I think that's a conversation we could have on another day on a really deeper level that I would like to maybe connect Mm -hmm. again and dig into that a little bit more, because I feel like that could be so helpful to so many that are in leadership in the church from Sunday school teachers to pastors, to everything in between, you know, I think that's something that we shouldn't bypass um, when we're talking about how we help people. So, um, pushing on a little deeper here. Um, you've talked about the, there's a divine connection between your faith and, and your career. Would you dig into that? Why do you feel there is a divine connection between your faith and your career? Do you feel that deeply? Why or why not? What does that look like to you? Yeah, I really do. Um, and again, I don't know if 35 is the magical year. Stay tuned, people who aren't 35 yet, because it might be your year. But um, I really think that I, maybe I finally just start am acknowledging things um, now. Uh, but there's been so many situations um, throughout my professional career where I've been maybe around or um, involved in or a part of um, that when it's over the responses are one I can't believe that you said that and nothing terrible happened Um, two I can't believe you went into that house without law enforcement or dogs Um, and I can't believe that you said all of that like where did that even come from and my response has always been um the only answer I have is God because I don't you know prep with what I'm gonna say when I go in and when I used to um 
be a part of the rapid response team working with human trafficking victims um, after they've been picked up. Like I didn't have some, you know, speech saved in the notes on my phone of what I was going to say. I really would just be like, okay, God, like, you know uh, what the situation is and what this girl um, needs to hear because generally we were interviewing girls, though boys are trafficked as well. Um, Or when I was meeting with a, you know, a parent who was a known gang member or was extremely violent or, you know, to talk to them about the plans to get their children back home, I would just be like, you know, I'm going to go in here and be a real person. um, And God, you're going to, you know, just have to lead me and potentially get me out of something. If I say something, I shouldn't, you know, it just, um, (laughs) I totally there's just been way too many situations where I feel like it was so evident that God um, was there and was leading me. And um, we joke um, around the office, every office I've ever been a part of, but this one I'm at now specifically and um, nothing against Amish people at all. Like I love them, but they, the detectives I work with are always like, how does this Amish girl just do whatever and it's fine. And I just always laugh. And I'm like, yeah, I know because I wear a skirt and um, have long hair. I'm Amish. Um, but, um, and I just always say, well, it's probably baby Jesus, you know, he's looking out for me. And, yes. um, you know, so I think that's, that's where that connection, yeah. that divine connection and, um, you know, again, in, in working with broken humans as apostolics, you know, right. that's really who we're looking for, right? The people that know yes. that they've got to change something because just like with Absolutely. sick people, those are the ones that, that need medicine. The healthy people don't care um, as much. Yes, And you've just, I've seen the knowledge that I've gained or experience I had um, assist my own uh, pastor or, you know, the the leaders in my church and I'm have thought several times if I hadn't have been here and was able to share that knowledge or you know obviously not shouting myself out but if someone with that knowledge wasn't in that situation right what would that have looked like absolutely yeah it's definitely um yeah I that's I just would say as I stumble over my words there that's that's how I know so good. Hi, friends. This concludes part one of our interview with Jay Hedrick. Be sure to join us next week for part two. There's some great information that you will not want to miss. Have a great week. And thank you again for listening to the Elder Girls Podcast.